settle in here. It's going to be lacquer. So I, I quickly want to just let you into uh, my life the last few days. So I, I prepared a preach last week, and I, I prepared basically a full sermon, but I didn't do the final touches because I thought probably this morning I'll wake up and I've got some time today to just finalize it. And then today as I woke up and my wife and I just started our day, I just felt like, ah, oh, God is like this. God sometimes, you know, they've got these different names for God, Jehovah Rapha and Jehovah whatever. But sometimes God is Jehovah Sneaky. He does, <laughs> he does things in a way that you don't understand and I don't understand why he does it. So I just felt like, oh, I don't think I should preach that sermon. There's another sermon that I've had on my heart. So I think I should prepare that. So for the majority of today, I've been preparing a totally different sermon to what I prepared in the week. And I was excited about it. I even, uh, the, the Australian Open final, I would watch a bit, run back to my iPad, prepare a bit, watch the final a bit, <laughs> run back to my iPad. And then now in worship, I just felt like I actually need to preach the first message that I prepared this week. <laughs> but that's God for you. I don't know why he does it this way, but I'm really trusting actually. You can put up the title slide. It's uh, What's in Your Hands is the message that I actually felt to preach tonight. So. This is probably 60-70% prepared because I prepared another preach 100%, but I'll probably preach that in two or three weeks, so it's okay. So I'm just going to pray for us because what I believe God wants to do in this message is He wants to impart something in us so that each of us knows there is something in your hands. There is something that you can do for God. God has given you something and He expects something in return. That's the concept. And I want to pray that God would really give our hearts fertile, make our hearts into fertile soil tonight. A fertile place that when His Word, word goes out, not my preaching, uh, I'm probably rusty from not preaching for a while, so not my preaching, uh, no, no eloquence of words, but just the Word of God, that I believe it's actually something He wants to say, that when His Word comes to us, that we would be receptive. And that we would say, yes, God, thank you for what you've given me. I want to live out my life for you. That's really what I feel like God is calling us to today. So Lord, as your people, we just want to ask you for receptive hearts. We want to choose right now, all of us, to say, God, you have really given us everything. And we want to give in return. We want to give our lives to you. Lord, we don't want to pass through this life and have it wasted. We want to be those people who say that we've lived for our God. We're not only saved by Him, but we're we saved into good works by Him, Lord. And so just as your people, we want to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Come and work in us. Come and speak in us, Lord. Come and show us what you've given us so that we can give to others as well. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. 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 So I, I started running again a while ago. As you can see, I'm feeling, I'm feeling a bit better. <laughs> I feel like if, if, I, if I preach and I feel like it's, it's a bit tight here, then it's time to start running. But anyway, I, I decided to start running again. It's been, a, it's been a long time coming. We've got three beautiful children, but three beautiful children also keep you extremely busy. So exercise the last three years of my life has been quite difficult, and I've, I really had, haven't had the time to do it, and it's, been, it's just been a big thing to juggle. So started exercising again, and the best thing that I've found for exercise over the years is accountability. Like many things in life, accountability is really a good thing. And so lots of you who do exercise, you'll know that there is this app called Strava. And Strava is a blessing and a curse. 
It's a blessing in the sense that it keeps you accountable. It is a curse in the sense that it keeps you accountable. And other people look at what you're doing and it feels like while you're running, you already know it's like people are looking at you running. It's like a cloud of witnesses looking at you running. <laughs> it's this weird thing, any of you that have ever used it, it's basically an app you put on your phone and when you run it or cycle or whatever you do, it logs that activity and your friends can look into, into your activity. And so, say again? Facebook for fit people is basically. <laughs> Facebook for fit people, that's a good one. So that's basically what it is. So I, I started that and you know, you guys who know me, you know that I like to be honest as much as possible standing here because I think honesty is a good thing. Otherwise you've got these preachers that stand up here and it looks like their lives are all perfect. But actually then we've got nothing to relate to. But all of us are normal people just called by God for different purposes. And so I'm going to be brutally honest with you standing here. And I'm going to say that the moment I started running, it's, a, it's been about five weeks now. I've really enjoyed it, but what I found incredibly difficult is knowing that when I run, comparing myself firstly to the old Leonard. Now the old Leonard weighs a few kilograms less firstly, right? He was much fitter, he was much younger, and he did not have three children. That's the old Leonard. So now as I'm running, I feel the weight of old Leonard sitting on me and I'm like, why are you so slow? What has happened to you? Is this ever going to be better? That's what I feel like. And what that causes me to do is it causes me to actually want to stop running. I start feeling like, ah, oh, I, I think I shouldn't do it. I'm never going to be where I was. Anyone know that feeling? I was fit. I was strong. I was whatever. I don't know if I'm ever going to get there again. And that causes you to want to shrink back and say, no, I actually don't want to do it. The other thing is, I look at other people running and comparison creeps in there. And you look at Jock, and, <laughs> and then I remember when Jock started running. I, I think when, I, when he started running, I thought, like, I can take this guy. <laughs> now he's done world championships and whatever, and I'm like, oh, I just want to die, basically. <laughs> and I start throwing insults in my mind. No, he's young, man, he's young. He doesn't know what life is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But what comparison does as well is comparison comes into that place and it wants you to start shrinking back. It wants to come in there and say, well, you're never going to be as good as those people or you're never going to be as good as you were, so rather just not do it. And the answer that all of us know is, that's silly. You know, if, if, if we could just put our thoughts off, if, if there was an off button for our thoughts, that would be wonderful many times. We know that's silly. We know we shouldn't go there, but unfortunately we do go there. And I want to contend tonight to say that I think in our spiritual lives, there's a similar thing that happens. God has called all of us to be active spiritually. Some of you say hallelujah because there was a spiritually at the back. And you're like, thankfully, not just active, right? Some of you don't want to be active. But God has called all of us to be active spiritually. He's called all of us to run for Him. He's called all of us to have an active relationship with Him, to grow in your relationship with Him, to get to know the Bible better, to grow in your prayer life, to grow in your attendance at church and your relationships at church and, and how you disciple other people. God has called us on a spiritual journey, a spiritual race as such. He's called all of us there. But the biggest thing that I think many times wants us to shrink back is when we come to a place of looking at the people around us and thinking, I can never be like that person. 
I'll never know my Bible as well as that person. I'll never be able to pray like that person. I'll never be able to worship like that person. I'll never be able to serve in church like that person. And what that does, and I really believe that's from the devil and it's from our flesh, is that causes us to actually shrink back from what we should be doing, which is just focusing on what God has called me to do and doing that to the best of my ability. That's actually what we should do. And some of us are here where you got saved maybe a couple of years ago. You gave your life to Jesus and you were flat out. You remember those early days, anyone? Or is it just me? It felt like it was just you would start worshiping and you in heaven, in the third heaven. You're standing next to the throne room. You remember those days. It's just like so overwhelming. The presence of God is here. You don't have to do much. You can just go, Jesus, and it feels like, ah, anyone, is it just me? (laughs) You read your Bible and you're like, I could eat this up. I could read for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Is it just me? Okay, some of you are like that. You'd come to church and you just want to serve everywhere. You're going to give yourself to everything. And and those were the old days and now you're standing where you are now and you think, I can never be like the old days. And what you do is you rather give up and you rather shrink back instead of taking hold of that which God has called you for and living that out to the best of your ability. I think that's the devil's strategy, and I think that's what God wants to say into us today. I think he wants to say, no more. No more. If you compare yourself to your old self, if you compare yourself to other Christians, that is not going to bring you anywhere. What I want you to do is just look at what is in your hands and do what I've given you to do. Okay. So I'm going to read you a scripture in Exodus 4 verse 1 to 2. I just want to give you a brief explanation of the scripture because this is Moses and this is where this little phrase that I got what is in your hands this is where this phrase comes from now firstly Moses was a little bit like this you don't know don't put it up people are not going to concentrate thank you they, they stop listening the moment that's up there it's apparently really interesting so <laughs> and I'm not I don't know people always look there so uh, that is prettier I must admit but just over here for a moment okay not comparing just saying <laughs> so Moses, he was like this. When he, when he first wanted to do something for God, he was really on fire. He was a really zealous guy. He realized, those of you who know the story, that God wanted to call him to help bring the people of God out of captivity. Go read the book of Exodus if you don't know the story. Bring the people of God out of captivity. He knew that was a calling. And at first, he saw the, the Hebrew people fighting and that the Egyptians, which the people who held them captive, he saw the abuse that was taking place and he stepped in there, he was radical, he was on fire, and he said, I'm going to sort it out. And he killed one of the Egyptians with his own hands. He made a mistake. That was not the way to do it. And then life comes, like it does, and it's good, and life must come. The difficulties of life must come. And Moses was humbled by life. And I like when I see that in the Bible because I feel humbled by life. I feel like I remember the running for God, but I also remember the low points. And I think we we must associate with those characters in the Bible as well. We mustn't only see the highs. We must see the lows and say, thank God for the lows because I am going to experience lows. That's what life is about. Life is full of suffering and we shouldn't shy away from it. And so we look at Moses and we see that he was in this low place and then when he's come to this humble place of feeling like, ah, I'm never going to be able to do anything for God. And he comes to this place of thinking, like many of us fall into this trap, thinking others can do it. 
Others can run hard for God. Others can be passionate about God. I think he, he's really he came to that place in his life. And then in Exodus 4, verse 1 to, do, to 2, he has an encounter with God. And God is like I believe that God actually wants to do in our lives this today. Maybe this is going to be a burning bush moment like we're going to read about. God is going to step into his life and he's actually going to say to him, in a roundabout way, we'll get to it now, God is going to say to him, no more. You've gone through the process. You've become humble, but no more. Now I need you to pick up what you have and start doing something for me again. Start living for me again. Stop shying away. Verse 1 says, Then Moses answered God, when God called him, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. He's become timid. He's, he's, he's shied away from the responsibility that God wants to give to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, What is that in your hand? And Moses said, A staff. That's all I have. Those of you that know the story further, God says, okay, now I'm going to take what's in your hand, you're going to throw it onto the ground, and it is going to turn into a snake. And he does it. And the snake is there. God does a miracle through his little insignificant thing. Because I'm, I'm telling you, I, I don't know if he was sarcastic. He's going to be like, God, you want to use me? All I have is I've just got a little staff in my hand. It's not much. I don't have a rod, I don't have a scepter, which is the things that the kings held. I don't have a crown on my head, I'm a normal average Joe. I've just got a stick in my hand and God's saying, whatever, that which I've given in your hand, put it on the ground and see my power at work when you just use the little that I've given you. And we see God actually using this later on when he confronts the Egyptians. This snake that he has, the, the Egyptians do the same. They do this miracle, their stick turns into a snake but the, st the snake of Moses goes and it eats up the other snake. It's like the power of God comes into someone who say, says, I've only got a little bit, but I'm going to give my little bit to God for him to do with it what he wants. And I mean, I, I know many of us get to this point. We say, Lord, I don't have much to give, to be honest. I see the elders, they've got much to give. The community leaders, maybe they've got a lot to give. Although we then as elders and community leaders also sometimes feel like that and we feel others have a lot to give. We feel like God just don't have much to give. It's like your staff might be the fact that you feel like, Lord, I've only got a little time. I can't do much for you, Lord. I can't read my Bible the way I want to. I can't worship the way I want I've, I've, I've only got a little time. I've only got that much to give. I've only got a little knowledge. I've only got a little EQ or IQ. Other people are much more clever than I am. Other people understand people better. That's why they can work with people. Or you might feel like if you haven't got the leadership skill required, Lord, so I can never be a leader in your house. I don't have the skill required. Or you feel like, Lord, other people have so much faith. A person like Godfrey stands up here and I can see the faith. Lord, I don't have that type of faith. I've only got a little stick. You say, Lord, I can't pray like other people. I don't want to pray in a prayer meeting even. I, I really, like God wants to activate everyone today. So I'm, I'm just saying some of the things that I think are in our hearts. No one says these things. Lots of us think it. Lord, I can't pray like those people, so I'm rather not going to pray. I've only got this little stick. I can only do this little bit. But I think what God is saying to us, give me your stick and I'll show you what I can do with it. Give me the little that you have. Give me your little bit of leadership skill. Give me your little bit of time. That We've all got more time than we think, but give me the time that you think you have. Just give it to me. Give me the prayer that you can. Give me the worship that you can. 
Read the Bible like you can and see what I do with it when you give it to me. There's this amazing story in the Bible that I think illustrates this point even better than this story. And it's a story that we all know well, but I want to zoom into it a little bit more. And it's the story of the five loaves and the two fish. All of us know it, right? But I'm going to read it to us. It's in John 6, verse 5 to 11. Um, it's Jesus speaking. Mm. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> Lifting up his eyes, then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test them, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. So there's this massive crowd. See this. Massive need, little resource. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> I see the world. I see how many unsaved people there are. Massive need. Lord, I've only got a little bit to give. So what do I do? I don't do anything. Rather than doing what I can do. You come to the church and you see, Lord, there's new people. There are areas to serve. These communities. Massive need but I've only got a little bit to give, so I shy away. So Jesus is saying this to test them. One of his disciples, um, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to Jesus, there's a boy here, notice, not a leader, not a disciple, there's a boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as many as they wanted. And when we continue the story on, we see that there were leftovers. This is God coming into a situation and saying, really, I will take what you are able to give me, and if you give it over to me and you don't try and do it in your own power, but you just realize that what you can give, you give and you sacrifice that to me, I will make it into a miracle. I will use what you have for my purpose and for my good. And this is not when a leader does it, this is when an average church, a little child that does this, he says, Jesus, I don't have much to give, but what I have, I give to you. And Jesus says, let me show you what I can do with it. I think we, we, we miss it so many times, but actually God is only looking for people who will say, everything that I have, albeit little in my mind, I give to you for your glory. That's what God is looking for. He's not always looking for the most gifted people. He's looking for the most willing people. And we, we think we disqualify ourselves by our gifts, by feeling that we are not good enough. And God is saying, you don't have to be good enough. You just have to be willing enough. Be willing to give me what you have. <clears throat> I'm going to read another scripture and then I'm basically going to land. It's a short message. This is what the Bible teaches us in Romans 12, verse 3 to 8. It says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's probably the other side of the coin. Many of us think too little of ourselves and some probably think too much. So if you think too much, you first need to learn to think too little. <laughs> and then when you think too little, then you give it to God. I preached this a while ago. I said the steps of maturity. I started from someone else, but I've quoted it many enough, uh, so many times that I can say, 
This is what I've said before. I can pretend it's my quote now, okay? He said that steps of maturity is you think, I can, then you come to a place of saying, I can't, then you come to a place of saying, but God can. And what he's saying is, if you think that you can, he's firstly zooming it to that group. If you think that you can, realize that you need to come to a place of saying that in your strength, actually you can't. But then from the I can't, we need to say, but God can, when I give that to him. Uh, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Interesting there, God has given us each a different measure of faith. Have you thought of it like that? Some people have been given more by God. That sounds so hectic. That sounds so unfair. The moment you have children, you realize that fairness is not a, maintaining fairness, it does not help anyone. Because people are different, and children are different, and in the faith it's different. So God proportions to each one different amounts, and we need to be okay with that. We need to be okay when someone looks like they've been more gifted than us. Because in all honesty, someone who has received less can still give more back to God if they actually use what God has given them. Rather than someone who has been given a lot and squanders that, I think God hates that. I think God hates it. When he's really given you a lot, but you sit on what he's given you. Anyway, so he says, For as in one body we have many members or parts, and the parts of our body do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, please say this with me, let us use them. Okay, just one more time. We need to get this in. Let us not let us think about them, not let us read about them, not let us discuss them in community. No, no, no. Let us use them. Your little stick, God is saying, use it. Your five loaves of bread and two fish, God is saying, use it. Whatever it is, use it. Saying, if service, Use your serving in serving others. So if, you, if the only thing that you can do is to come on a Sunday and pack our chairs, then do that and see how God multiplies what you do. See how God sees your faithfulness. See how he looks at your heart and says, I know that you don't feel qualified to do anything else, but the fact that you are coming here and you are not doing it for anyone else, but you are packing our chairs like you are packing it out for my glory, See how God takes the little that he gives you and he starts entrusting you with more. Those of you who have got big aspirations, start by doing something small. Start by doing what is right in front of you and doing it to the glory of God and see what he does with that. Only do, what only, only do that little bit is fine. If all that you can do is serve a little bit, then serve a little bit. Um, where are we now? Uh, where are we now? I'll read there. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, you might say, you can just keep it there, you might say that I'm not able to do many things, but at least I can explain the Bible to someone, then start doing that. Or you might say, I can only, like, I struggle with many other things, but at least I enjoy reading the Bible. Then put your time into reading the Bible and you'll see that God creates something in you where you are able to even teach others the things that he's teaching you. So use that, in his in, the one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. Exhortation is basically just saying, Oh my hat, yes, lekker oh. That is what exhortation is. Jesus is lekker ou, die Heere gaan dit gebruik. 
That is, that is exhortation. That is such a small thing, but it's made its way into the Bible. It's made its way in the, into the Bible as a spiritual gift that you are able to use. And many times we think, oh, I can't do much. No, no, no. If you can see gifts in others, that's nothing to do with you. And you can point that out and say, well done on the way that you're giving yourself. God takes you a little, and if you do that faithfully for him, he entrusts you over more. The one who contributes in generosity, if you're good at making money but nothing else, that's fine as well. That's in the Bible too. <laughs> then be generous with your finances. You know, we are so scared of thinking about, uh, speaking about this in church. But you know, some people are called to give a lot of money to the church as a spiritual gift, right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> It's, it's in there. Do it in your generosity. Be generous with your finances towards the church, towards those struggling, towards people that God lays in your heart to bless them. Just do that little bit and do it well. Do it for the glory of God. The one who leads with zeal. If you have been called to lead, then do it with passion. Don't shrink back. Don't sit on your bum. Lead with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. That was verse 8. So each of us has something to do. So I want to encourage you. When you come and you spend time with God, because I think that's the place this starts, and you switch on your little spiritual Strava, <laughs> right? and your mind goes into that place where it should not go, but it goes, thinking, I wonder what it's like when other people spend time with God. I wonder if my little bit of time that I'm spending today because it's difficult for me. I wonder if that's enough. Or you start saying, oh, I'm not going to read Bible today because I'm, I'm never going to understand it anyway. I'm not going to pray today because I know that my prayer is not going to be enough because there's those other people that are probably going to pray for half an hour or an hour. When you get into that place, I want to encourage you today, please stop it. Stop it. Look at what is in your hands and do that to the best of your abilities. When you come to God, Read the Bible to the best of your ability. Understand it to the best of your ability. Take it in to the best of your ability. Apply it to the best of your ability. Memorize it to the best of your ability. And if your ability is that much, then do it that much. When you pray, do it to the best of your ability. If you can pray, I'm just going to, like, it feels so irreligious to say this, but it's a good thing. If you can pray, it's, it sounds sacrilegious. If you can pray for three minutes, then pray for three minutes and pray well. I'm telling you, God smiles upon those three minutes much more than someone who can pray for an hour because they're doing it for the shine of people or to feel like I can pray and I can do it eloquently and I'm twisting God's arm by praying. God smiles upon the little bit of time where we give it with a sincere heart, we give it to him. Do your best. If you lose concentration along the way, stop and try again. Like it's like a little child. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter how many times you fall. It, it only matters how many times you stand up and try again. It really actually, I'm, I'm making it base level, right? And like many of us think like this is so like spirituality 101 and we've moved on to that. I bet you if I look into your hearts, this is there because it's in my heart. And I'm sure it's in your heart too. Some of you are nodding. I like your honesty. <laughs> we like to pretend we're all very spiritually mature, but many times these simple things come into our hearts. Right? So when you spend time with God, just do it to the best of your ability. When you worship, worship Him with everything that you've got in you, whether it's one song or ten. 
And you'll see, I'm telling you this, the more you do it, the more you stop comparing, the more you're going to start finding God in your quiet times. The easier it's going to become to start enjoying Scripture. The easier it's going to become to start to pray and actually mean it and feel like, oh God, I connected with you now in prayer. But if we don't do anything, then that's never going to happen. Do what we can. I'm going to say to you, when you come into community, uh, we really believe community is such an important thing in church because a Sunday is only a Sunday. You only see a glimpse, Godfrey said it, but to really get to know people, we love to gather in each other's homes and it's an important thing to us. I spoke to Carla who leads the morning congregation today and I was a bit jealous. I think there can be a godly jealousy sometimes. (laughs) Because he said to me that uh, a while ago, their midweek attendance in their communities, it was bigger than their Sunday attendance. So they had more people in communities than they had on Sundays. right? And I'm like, I like that. (laughs) I really like that because on a Sunday, Sundays are important. It's where we put our eyes back on God. We focus together. We we glorify Him. We worship Him. We have fellowship. It's a beautiful time. But you know who ministers and who gives themselves on a Sunday? All of us should. But there's such a big time allotted to the person preaching, the people doing some of the areas. Where on a Wednesday when we come together for community, there is an easy space for each of us to do something and contribute something. Whether that's speaking to someone, praying for someone, making coffee, whatever it is, each of us there have a place to contribute. So when you come, please don't come and park off and just say, no, I'm just here to receive. It is more blessed, Jesus said, to give than to receive. So you want to be blessed by God? Then start doing something. Start giving yourself in some way and stop waiting for someone to do it for you. I said it on Wednesday when we gathered together for Combined Community. Many of us want spiritual family and we say, come, I'm coming into Josh Chain. You guys are such a family church. I'm ready. Show me. Come, I'm ready. Come on, come on. Where's the coffees? Where's the coffees? Where's the meals? You guys say this. What's in my fridge is yours and what's in your fridge is mine. Come on, I'm ready. I'm angry. I'm ready. (laughs) That's never going to work. Well, it should. But that's not the way it works. The way it works is each of us come and say, I don't care about your fridge, but I've got a fridge. Come eat with me. And the moment each of us start doing that, then all of us start experiencing family. We can't just wait. We need to say, what I have, I give. Whether it's a little or a lot, I give that. Um, So many areas. Evangelism. I'm thinking, you think, oh, I don't know how to share the gospel. But you do know how to share your testimony, I'm sure. You do know how to just invite someone to church, I'm sure. And yes, the ideal is maybe to be able to share the gospel with someone and see them getting saved. And to, the Bible says for us to go out into the world, evangelize there, and then bring people into the church. But sometimes all you can do is say, that is so daunting for me, I can invite someone to church. I'm going to say, it's okay. It's a good thing. Because we want to preach the gospel here as well. We want to see people getting saved. Do whatever you can do. Do your little thing and do it well. If you can just tell people about the love of God, then do that. If you can tell your testimony, then do that. Just do whatever you can do and do it well. Discipleship. Some of you think that you don't have much to give to someone else. I'm telling you there's someone who knows less than you. I promise you. There's someone who hasn't walked with God as long as you have. So just find someone And just start reaching out to someone in a discipleship relationship. Okay. You don't have to know it all before you start giving because then you're never going to start giving. Okay. 
So maybe let's let's stand as I'm gonna I'm gonna end. Um, yeah, I'd going to just land this. I don't know if someone, I don't even know actually, if someone can jump on the keys for us. Thank you. Just as we, as we end now, I, actually it's, it's such a weird thing to pray for. And I don't know why God laid this message on my heart. And to a large extent it feels like this is so one-on-one, right? But, but I know God does that. And it's a good thing that we come back to these foundations. But I actually, it, it's a weird thing, but I really feel like what I need to want to pray for is intimidation and comparison today. I want to pray that God would release us from that. That God would release us from a place of looking around and thinking, I'm not good enough. It sounds so simple, but I know it's here. I know like I know like I know it's here. And it's holding some of us back, probably many of us back. just want to really pray that God would come into that place of just giving us the liberty so that each of us know, well, actually, I do have something to give. Okay. So maybe let's, yeah, let's close our eyes. <clears throat> I'm just going to pray, and then I'll give over to God for you. Lord, we as your people, Lord, we just want to come before you and say that, thank you that you've given each of us a measure of faith. Thank you that each of us have something to give, Lord. Thank you that each of us has something in our hands. We do have something to give towards you. Lord, and I just want to come into this place and I want to just pray for whoever is standing here who might be feeling intimidated by others, intimidated by their past, or just be intimidated by the picture of what they think you expect of them to be. And Lord, if that is holding anyone back, Lord, I just want to pray against it right now and ask, Lord, would you come into that place, Lord? And take away that intimidation, that competition. And help us to know that you expect a mustard seed of faith is what you said. Mustard seed size of faith. You just expect us to give that little bit. Maybe just, I'm going to ask you if, if you resonate with this. If you feel like, oh shucks, that's me. Like, I get there, I struggle many times. And you can be brutally honest today, that's fine. Can I ask you maybe to raise your hand? Just where you are, just raise your hand. Thank you. Godfrey, maybe you can grab a mic and also just pray. It's actually, um, just keep your hand up. Just keep your hand up for a moment. There's like so many of us, right? <laughs> Such a weird thing. The devil is so clever. He's so clever. 